Welcome to The Church Door, a place where I can post my Bible studies and sermons for your listening pleasure. I'm the Reverend Matthew Fenn, pastor of St. Peter's Evangelical Lutheran Church in Stratford, Ontario. Thanks for tuning us in. Welcome everybody to our Bible class on this rainy May day. I guess we finally have spring and not winter. Feels like it's a month too late to me, but maybe that's just me. Um, Today we're looking at Luke chapter 5 verses 33 to 6 verse 11. There's not really a rhyme or reason to my choice of pericopes. I just pick enough to have enough questions to to give the people, so it's interesting. So let's uh, begin with prayer. Lord God, you have caused all your holy scriptures to be written for our learning. May we so hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that by the patience and comfort offered by your holy word, we may embrace and ever hold fast to the blessed hope of eternal life, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Amen. All right, so I'll read the texts here. There's uh, three three um, uh, sections to this uh, to this um, um, particular set of lessons. Um, the last two, you'll remember, were two um, were also controversies with the Pharisees. So this is five uh, five small descriptions of Jesus and his controversies with the Pharisees in a row that Luke has done. So these are the last three. And once again, I am reading out of the Lexham English Bible. And they said to him, the disciples of John fast often and make prayers. Likewise, also the disciples of the Pharisees, but yours are eating and drinking. So he said to them, You are not able to make the bridegroom's attendants fast as long as the bridegroom is with them, are you? But days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, then they will fast in those days. And he also told a parable to them. No one tears a patch from a new garment and puts it on an old garment. Otherwise, he will have, he will have torn the new also. And the, new, and, and the old will not match the patch that is from the new. And no one pours wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the new wine will burst the wineskins, and it will be spilled and the wineskins will be destroyed. But the new wine must be put into new wineskins. And no one, after drinking old wine, wants the new, because he says the old is just fine. Now it happened that on a Sabbath, he went, through the, he went through the grain fields and his disciples were picking and eating the heads of grain, rubbing them in their hands. But some of the Pharisees said, why are you doing what is not permitted on the Sabbath? And Jesus answered and said to them, have you not read this, what David did when he and those who were with him were hungry? 
how he entered into the house of God and took the bread of the presentation, which it is not permitted to eat except the priests alone, and ate it and gave it to those with him. And he said to them, The Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Now it happened that on another Sabbath he entered into the synagogue and was teaching. And a man was there, and his right hand was withered. So the scribes and the Pharisees were watching closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath, in order that they could find a reason to accuse him. But he knew their thoughts and said to the man who had the withered hand, Get up and stand in the middle. And he got up and stood there. And Jesus said to them, I ask you whether it is permitted on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save a life or to destroy it. And after looking around at them all, he said to them, he said to him, stretch out your hand. And he did, and his hand was restored. But they were filled with fury and began discussing with one another what they might do to Jesus. Any uh, comments on the translation there? He was certainly testing them. (laughs) (laughs) In that last section, uh, ESV says lawful, where the LEV said permitted. Mm -hmm. Yep. There's a big difference between what the law allows and what the Pharisees permitted. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Pharisees permitted. Yep, Far less than what the law allows. Yeah, no, that's that's a good point. Um, there were yeah, we'll, and we'll get to some of that, I think. Okay, let's start our questions. Note the response that Jesus gives to the Pharisees and scribes' question about fasting. In the parable that follows. What is he explaining to them about his identity and the good news of his coming? So, perhaps first, what's the controversy about with, with the fasting? In the first, in the first section. Jesus Not. and his followers aren't, while everyone else is. Right. And, and, and what did the fact... What do the Pharisees, who do the Pharisees use as an example against Jesus and his disciples? John the Baptist. <laughs> John the Baptist. Oh, so, so that's the, um, that's the, um, the, the, what's it called? The, the controversy. Um, What does Jesus explain to them? How does he answer their question? That the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. The Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath, right? So that, that speaks to his identity. What else does he say in response to the Pharisees? Why aren't Jesus' disciples fasting? 
What, what, why, why, what's, why are they not fasting? What's, he is the bridegroom and he's still with them. He's, he is, and he's with them. That's right. Yeah. Um, and, fasting is also mandated under the law, but Jesus is fulfillment of the law. Yeah. The, uh, fasting is only mandated under the law on the Day of Atonement, Leviticus 16. It is used at other times um, to express repentance or to mourn um, or to seek the Lord for uh, specific requests. It, um, um, it becomes, I think if I remember this correctly, um, I hear you, yes. Um, so f- it, at this time, fasting in Judaism and in various sects and groups in Jesus' day was a sign of waiting, of bewailing the, the present time when God's kingdom still had not yet arrived. It was a way of looking back at the disasters that had befallen Israel, humbling themselves uh, in repentance to pray for God's mercy. So they're saying... So fasting is a sign in there in those days, especially about and the Pharisees fasted twice a week. Um, and so the Pharisees are fasting because they do not believe that the Messiah and God's kingdom have come, and so they're fasting as as a way of mourning and preparing for that. But what have they missed? He's here. He's here, right? And. Why? Um, so, and then why does um, why does he? When does he say uh, his disciples are going to fast? When he's gone. When he's gone. Does the New Testament give us instructions on fasting? Uh, particulars. When to fast and that kind of thing. No. No. It, it assumes that Christians will fast, but it leaves the particulars up to, up to Christians. Early traditions have um, the, the Didache, which is the earliest Christian writing we have outside the New Testament. It could date from the 60s. It could be actually written before the end of the New Testament. Um, it has Christians in the first century... Fasting on Wednesdays and Fridays, which which is which is a practice that has continued in some Christian traditions down to the day, right? Um, so, but there's no there's no law, but Christians fast because because we're expecting Jesus to come again. But they don't um, they don't need to fast because Jesus is sitting, the Messiah is sitting right there. What's up with this? Um, Patches and old wine and what's up with that? What, what's he gets he getting at? The, the wine the wine is the easier one to explain at least for me. It's the wine ferments, so you put new wine into a in a wine skin, and as it ferments, the 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 skin expands. So by the time the wine is old, the skin is already expanded to its maximum. If you were to put new wine in it, it would start expanding again because of the fermentation and the skins would burst. So that, that's the part of the backdrop there. Um, I'm not sure. Maybe you ladies who sew know something about what he's talking about with sewing. Uh, 
we put patches are now iron on in our days. Uh, we don't sew patches on anymore. <laughs> I, I think what he's talking about there with the garments is since he is here, he is the new garment. And the Pharisees have been trying to patch over the new garment with their old law keeping. Yes, you're, that's, that's the point. So the point here is they want, he's saying in nutshell, you can't mix the old and the new. You can't have, you can't have your cake and eat it too. You can't be. Um, now that Jesus has come, the old is done away, and you cannot serve God and Jesus in the same way that you did the old way. Or you can't add Jesus and add the Messiah on top of the old covenant way of thinking. Um, you can't add Jesus on top of all your rules and regulations and all that stuff that you're trying to do. It won't work. Um, yeah. Is that why we don't fast now? We, no, like, like I said. I mean, we don't have a rule. We don't have a rule for fasting, no. Uh, um, 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 fasting is talked about in our uh, small catechism, right? Uh, um Especially at Easter time. Right, we, we fast in Lent. It, the Lutheran tradition is um, um, from our small catechism. Um, when it talks about the Lord's Supper, it says fasting is indeed fine bodily preparation. So the Lutheran tradition is to, to fast um, Saturday night, to not eat Sunday breakfast, so that the first, the first food on your mouth on Sunday morning is the Lord's Supper. That's the Lutheran practice of fasting. Uh, the, that's the, the biggest. So a lot of Lutherans will, will, will do that. They won't eat Sunday breakfast. They'll go for brunch after or they'll have a big lunch. So that, and, and it's, it's a small thing that they can do. A lot of people can handle that. So that's what Luther's referring to there. But anyway. Um, yeah, so the, the patches, that's basically saying you can't put... Um, um, there's uh, Mr. Wright here uh, says there's no use in other words trying to see if you can fit bits of Jesus kingdom program into bits of the Pharisees program take one element of Jesus work and you miss the whole you miss the whole thing and you can't in any case fit one element into the old ways of thinking you have to take the new as a whole or take or don't take it at all Right? So you can't just take the parts of Jesus you like and fit them onto whatever program you want. You've got to, you've got to take Jesus as a whole or you don't take him at all. Um, it's not, Christianity is not a smorgasbord of, of options. Jesus is Lord or he's, or he's not. All right. Any more questions about, about that? Okay. Oh, we, we guess we kind of did question two there. Um, let's do that second part of question two. Why do you think some people prefer to patch their old coats and keep their old wineskins? So, why do you think people act this way? It's comfortable. Yeah. They're used to them. They're used to them? Traditional. Hard to give up old ways. Yeah. Traditional, hard to give up. 
Thrifty. Yeah. <laughs> Cheap. And Cheap. Then, even here, it says, and no one after drinking old wine desires new. Yeah. 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 Like, they, they like the old way. The old way. <laughs> we, we all know how hard it is to switch wine, don't we, Mark? <laughs> um... Uh, um Yeah, and, and uh, this is what we call, um, well, this is, there's a little Pharisee in all of us, right? A little, you know, remember those cartoons where you had the two angels, there was an, a, a devil and an angel each on your shoulder? Well, it, there's, there's a little Pharisee, it's not a devil, it's just a little Pharisee uh, sitting on your shoulder telling you to, that you need to keep the law, you need to tick all the boxes and do it the right way, and... and um, that's why we constantly need the reminder of both law and gospel because um, we, we always are going to tend to the old ways. We're always going to want to patch things up and use uh, and not follow Jesus' program. <laughs> okay. Question three. According to the Pharisees, a person should go hungry rather than glean on the Sabbath. How did this view of God's Sabbath miss the true significance? So um, let's back up a tad. And so, so in the next story, which is 6, 1 through oh, 5, what's going on here? Somebody just summarize it in your own words. Yeah, so they're walking in a field on the Sabbath. They pluck the head and they rub it in their hands to take off the husks. And then they, they're eating it. Why, why do the Pharisees have a problem with that? It's work. It's work. You're harvesting, right? Re harvesting and, and preparing the food for eating, that's work. Um, so how does that miss how does that miss the boat so to speak well let, let me let me offer a little bit of background here don't forget what i told you about the pharisees the pharisees the pharisees we have to ask to understand them you have to ask why do they care so much about the sabbath um, remember, the Pharisees are, are the group that they, wa they want to be, become so holy and pure that the Messiah has to come, right? They want to, um, they want to um, start the end times, so to speak, by, and, and doing so by being pure and holy. Now, in... Jeremiah 17, 27, it says, If you do not obey me and keep my holy Sabbath day, I will set fire to uh, Jerusalem's gates and will consume, uh, and, and it will consume the palaces of Jerusalem. And so the Pharisees see that. They see that the Romans are still in control. The, Jew, the Jews don't have their own independent kingdom. 
And so they think, what? Try harder. Try harder. We need to keep the Sabbath, right? We need to do better because then things will happen. So, but how does that miss the boat? Things already happened. <laughs> it's already happened, absolutely. Not human efforts which bring about the Messiah. Right, absolutely. And so, um, what what is the main? What is the what is the purpose of the Sabbath? What what purpose are they missing for it? A day of rest. And A day of rest and worship. Yeah. That's right. And and what are they turning it into? <laughs> Another, a day of works righteousness. A day of works righteousness. Another box you got to tick to get to to get God to to do His thing, right? There and it it becomes a not a day of rest, but a day of oh, can't do that. You're stuck me on eggshells. Can I do this? Oh no, I can't do that. Um, that's that's important to see that kind of. Uh, they made, they, made they made a lot of yeah, absolutely. They they had God's remember the Pharisees. They have they, they they take God's law, and then they they back up sixty feet and put up a fence around it, huh, just to be sure you don't come anywhere near breaking God's law, <laughs> right? That that's their idea. Their their laws, and then they hold everybody else. But we grew up like that. You know, we went to Sunday school. We went to church and afternoon. You might visit your relatives, but nobody did work on Sunday, and it was just a, a very special time for families and spending time with God. And so we, as growing up that way, are no different than what the Pharisees were because they they wanted it to be a holy day and a day of just spent with God so and it changed them like yeah. before that it was even more so because I remember my mom talking about people not being able to go off the porch and play <laughs> oh really that was part yeah, of it before like you, that. Didn't, you didn't play with your friends on a Sunday yeah. no dancing no playing cards no. <laughs> yeah. now um, well, I, I grew up on a farm and you had stuff you had to do every day That's right. God gains nothing from us keeping the commandments. That's right. It's all about for our benefit. That's right. And, and, and that's why the parallel passages in Matthew and Mark add a phrase, um, the Sabbath was not made for man, but man. Uh, man was not made for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath for man. Um, 
the Sabbath was not made as a rule that you have to keep. It was made for the benefit of humans to take a time. And, and um, the Sabbath in the New Testament has been fulfilled. We don't have to, um, we, we are not obligated to, to worship on Saturday or take Saturday off as a, as a day off. Um, we don't have to. Um, what is obligated under the law that's still applicable? No, no, no. Uh, with with the with oh. the with the the third commandment to oh the third commandment uh, to um, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. holy. What does this mean? We should fear and love God, God, so that we do not despise preaching and God's word, word but hold it sacred, gladly hear it and learn it. Right? Notice what notice how it applies in the New Testament. It's not about having the the day off and not working. What is it about? Worship. worship. It's about taking the time to honor God's word and worship it. Because the day of Sabbath is supposed to be the day of worship. It's the day that you're supposed to, right? And so, so, you, so you see that their program is different than, than Jesus. Um, it's not wrong to eat on the Sabbath. And the law actually allows for... Um, the law actually allows them to pluck the, the heads of the grain and to, to do that. Um, that's actually allowed under the Mosaic law. So, so they, they could have done that. He gives the example of David. Yeah, let, let's go there next. Um, um, I think that's... Um, that's going to be question five. So let's hold off on, on David. Um, question four. I'm just going to add one more yeah. thing. Kind of a modern day example friend of mine went to University of Toronto and he and another fellow rented an apartment in a Jewish a, a very conservative Jewish apartment building and on Saturdays the elevator was programmed to stop at every floor so the Jews wouldn't have to lift their hand to push a button on the elevator <laughs> that is a true story I was in the building and saw that myself yeah <coughs> yep the, uh, if, I've heard stories that um, if you're in Israel um, and, you're, and they recognize that you're a Gentile, then you might get a few Jews following you. Oh, can you press the button, please? Or, you know, do things, they'll have you do things because they know that you're not a, a Gentile, that you're a Gentile. Um, you can get away with it. You can get away with it. Um, okay, so in, in 6 verse 5, Jesus says, the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. So Jesus defended not only his motives, but also his authority to let his disciples glean on the Sabbath. What did he claim, and why is that significant? What's he saying? He's God, I'm the one that wrote the commandments. <laughs> it was my finger who wrote them on those tablets. So I know what I meant, right? That's, that's, <laughs> um, it, it's his divine authority. Um, um, and, and why is, um, now, what does the what's the what title does he use to to, to highlight his divine authority? He calls himself the son, of man. the son of man, right? The son of man. Now, notice. Remember, we talked about this phrase, the son of man, last time. But I'll highlight it again. If you read that in Daniel chapter seven, 
it says the Son of Man comes up into God's presence and he's given all sorts of divine authority. So Jesus uses this phrase, the Son of Man, to refer to the fact that he has divine authorization. To, he has God's authority. Um, so that's why he's saying the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. I have divine authority over this law. I decide, right? It's, it's, it's a big claim. So is there any significance here, uh, again, it mentions the story of, of David when he was hungry. Yep. The fact that Jesus is descended from David. Yeah, that's the next question. Oh, okay. <laughs> Getting ahead of ourselves. All right, let's go there then. Everybody wants to talk about David. Let's talk about David. Jesus references 1 Samuel 21, 1 through 6, when the Pharisees confront his disciples for plucking the heads of grain on the Sabbath. Read that passage now. We'll do that. What's, uh, how much time do we have? Perfect. Remember, we studied this passage a, couple, a while ago, maybe a year ago, a year and a half or so. I remember. Barely. All right, Uh, 21, 1 through 6, I'll read it now. Then David came to Nob, to Ahimelech the priest. And Ahimelech came to meet David, trembling, and said, Why are you alone and no one with you? And David said to Ahimelech the priest, The king has charged me with a matter and said to me, Let no one know anything of the matter about which I send you, and with which I charge you. I have made an appointment with young men for such a and such a place. Now then, what do you have on hand? Give me five loaves of bread or whatever is here. And the priest answered David, I have no common bread on hand, but there is holy bread if the young men have kept themselves from women. And David answered the priest, Truly women have been kept from us, all as always, when I go on an expedition. The vessels of the young men are holy, even when it is an ordinary journey. How much more, more today will their vessels be holy? So the priest gave him the holy bread, for there was no bread there but the bread of the presence, which is removed from before the Lord and replaced by the hot bread on the day it is taken. All right. So Jesus talks about that story and he cites it. Why did Jesus, why might have Jesus decided to invoke this passage during this interaction? What are the similarities between David's situation and his own coming as the Messiah to Israel? So first, and uh, then what is Jesus suggesting by telling this story about David and his followers? So first, why, does, why, does Jesus, why is Jesus citing this passage of all the passages he could have picked? Well, similar in that somebody was hungry. Somebody's hungry, absolutely. Uh, David was the son-in-law of the king. Right, absolutely. And Jesus actually is the king. Right, but but and and but there's a, there's a fir- there's a step closer. David's not just the son-in-law of the king. What has happened He's to David? Been He's been anointed. He is the anointed king, and and so uh, and, and he's not yet reigning, and that is a and Jesus has been anointed. When was Jesus anointed? His 
baptism. His baptism, right? His baptism is, is when he's marked out as the Messiah. Now, and he's not yet reigning completely. That happens after his resurrection, right? His ascension into heaven. So he's in a very similar position to David, isn't he? But what is he, what is he making, what claim is he making by making that comparison? Is it to do with the common bread and the holy bread? No, he, I mean, he's claiming to be what if he's making the parallel between David and himself? The king. He's the king. He's the Messiah. That's what he, right? So he's claiming to be the Messiah, right? That's, he, he's claiming um, to be that. Now, um, so, so what, what else do you, um, what else do you see by this, um, um, the use of this passage? Who was authorized to eat that bread? The priests. No, no, no. Right, but, but, but officially, right? Officially, the, the, the Old Testament law says only the priests are authorized to do it. Now, why does the priest, uh, Ahimelech, give them the bread? Because... They need, they're hungry. They need to eat it. Right? Ceremonial laws give way to human necessity. Human, that's absolutely right. Right? And so Jesus is making that point, right? Saving lives is, is at some point, saving a life has to take, it has to take precedence over other things. Right? Um, a great example of this is um, us... Um, uh, uh, closing down church during the, the beginning of the epidemic, right? Is it is it lawful according to God for me at other times to just stop church? No, absolutely not. It's against God's law. Ah, but what's happened? Ah, the human the, saving human lives ha- takes precedence over a, a law of God that which uh, which is otherwise applicable. You see that? Um, same thing with the. Um, with the Good Samaritan, Jesus makes the same point there, right? The why do the people pass by the Good Samaritan? Because they all have they're all traveling to Jerusalem or Jericho with for religious functions. And if they touch the dead body, it looks dead anyway, um, they'll be unclean and they won't be able to do their job. And so they think, well, it's more important that I go on my way and do my job as a priest, as a as a Levite. And Jesus says, No, human necessity takes place over religious duty. Alright, so Jesus makes that same point here. This, this reminds me of the loaves of bread. When, when Jesus made enough for everybody right. to eat. Right, and um, now how does this how does this apply to the Lord's Supper? Get you guys thinking. What, what bread is this? What's this bread called? No, 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 no. The bread that the the bread the, the in David's day. What's that bread called? Bread the bread of the presence. Why is it called the bread of the presence? Where does it sit? In God's 
in God's presence. It's right there, right? It goes so. Um, there is a um, um, the words that Luke uses here um, in um, let's see. Ah, uh, yes. So how he took and ate of the bread of the presence. So, um, and, and, um, so, and gave it to those who were with him. Yes. Okay. So that those two words took and gave are the exact same two words that are that Luke uses later in the Lord's Supper. In his translation of the words, he took the bread and he gave it. So there's a bit of a there's a bit of a um, a, a foreshadowing, a a preview of the Lord's Supper here, because the bread the bread of presence in the Old Testament it didn't really have God's presence, but the 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 Lord's Supper actually has the presence of Jesus in it. It is the bread of the presence. Um, so just a, there's a, uh, a bit of a, a thing there. Uh, all right. Let's go on to the next question. Time is running away. Yep. Um, so the religious leaders are concerned that Jesus disregards God's law. How do Jesus' actions throughout chapter 6 here, 6, 1 through 11, represent a fulfillment rather than a violation of God's law? I don't really talk about the... My questions don't really touch the other... The other question. The other pericope. It's an oversight on my part. Let's talk about it here. Um, so as you think about the question I just asked, um, how does Jesus... How is the fulfillment rather than a violation of God's law? Think about that, that story with the man with the withered hand. Is it unlawful even by the Pharisee standards to open your hand? No. They've done it several times that day, right? Is it un unlawful to speak words? How does Jesus heal this man's hand? Does he use some medicine? Does he open up his, his, uh, his traveling healer's kit? Does he, how does he heal this guy's hand? He just speaks, right? They're furious with him. But if it went to a court of law, what would Jesus have said? <laughs> he opened his hand? I spoke and he opened his hand. What's wrong with that, right? <laughs> he didn't physically do anything. He did not physically do anything. And yet, he heals the man. And so Jesus makes a question. And what's that question that he asks them as he's looking around at them? I ask you, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to destroy it? Right. And what's the, what's the answer to that? 
Like he doesn't. The answer's not here, but the answer's obvious. It's to do good and save lives. It's to do good and save lives, obviously. Um, and so, how does then Jesus? How does he show that he's not breaking this law of the Sabbath? He's fulfilling it. Well, the Sabbath points towards the fact that Jesus is the one who will do, be doing the good. Jesus is the one who will be saving lives, right? Jesus is the one who will be healing us of our infirmities, who will be giving us rest, rest from works righteousness, rest um, in God's presence, um, He's the one with the divine authority to do so. And their law hasn't healed anybody. Yes. It hasn't helped anybody. Right. Absolutely. Their law hasn't healed anybody and it hasn't helped anybody. So, um, um, so, so that's, I think that that's important to, to see that um, it shows that Jesus is bringing to fulfillment the, the, what, what's intended by the Sabbath. Um, we already talked about the purpose of the Sabbath day in question seven. Um, and we kind of talked about already uh, how the Sabbath day relates to us in question eight. How you can celebrate, how can you celebrate the Sabbath of God's rest and liberation today? Something um, that hit me when I was reading this was why did God rest on the seventh day? He wasn't tired. No. He's God, right? That's right. He rested for one reason, one reason only, is to give us a model. To give us a model, right. So that, I mean, in our 24-7, 365 culture, yeah. <laughs> it's more relevant to us today than anything. Absolutely. That, that, that connection about the Holy Communion, um, he, listen to this from um, St. Cyril of Alexandria. I think he was maybe 200s, maybe early 300s, but... He, he's, he's about 200s, probably. Um, you are to set the bread of the presence on the table before me continually, Exodus 25. These loaves, explains Cyril of Alexandria, foreshadow the Lord's Supper, the bread that comes down from heaven to be set forth upon the holy tables of the churches. Um, um, and so you can see that that, that interpretation... Um, that this is uh, the, bre the bread of the presence refers to the Lord's Supper um, goes back almost as long as we have writing in the church, <laughs> um, which, is, which is important. Um, um, so, so uh, by the way, that, that's, that's why there's all this bowing and, and stuff in church because we're in the presence of God, and what do you do in the presence of the king? You, or the queen, you bow. You, 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 and, and, you know, whether that's, you show, you show some sign of respect, whether that's bowing your head, or standing up, or doing something to, to do that. And, and what do you think is the main point of this passage? What would you, what, we, what verse would you highlight or idea as the main point of this section? I think number five. Yeah, that's... Uh, that's what I would probably pick too. The Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. 
um, that that seems to summarize some of these things. Anybody make something, choose something else? All right. Well, next time we will do um, probably 12 to 19, maybe 26. I'm not sure. We'll see how many questions I can scrounge up on those. Let's pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, you have uh, sent your Son into the world um, to save us from our, our, our work and toil under your law. Uh, your law commands us to, uh, to do, and, and it's never done. So your Son has come to do the law for us, to offer us rest for our weary souls, um, and the rest of uh, salvation. Uh, we ask, O oh Lord, that you would help us to appreciate all that your Son has done for us, uh, especially in giving us his body and blood in, in, uh, on the cross and then giving that to us in the Lord's Supper. We ask you now, O oh Lord, to be with us as we go into worship uh, and bless your people everywhere who worship you uh, this day. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to The Church Door. Thanks again for tuning in. If you have any comments, questions, or feedback, you can reach me, Pastor Matthew Fenn, at revfenn, R-E-V-F-E-N-N, at iCloud.com. Look forward to having you with us again next time.